Antediluvian Revelations, a poetic retelling of the Book of Enoch, the Prophet. Summary Discussion of Part 5, The Ordination of Enoch. The fifth part of the epic poem presents what is commonly known as the Epistle of Enoch in two cantos. The first canto reveals the prophetic sermons of Enoch. There is a significance to the repetition of the word book in this part of the story because this is the prophecy about this book and others like it that will foretell the future and instruct all of mankind with regard to the mysteries of God Almighty. This prophecy about books may refer to the Torah and Talmud, the New Testament, the Quran, the Book of Mormon, and many others. This prophecy about future books being written is another example of those many antediluvian revelations Enoch wrote about in his book, which was not canonized into the Holy Bible. Enoch's prophecies rightly belonged in the Holy Bible more than the book of Genesis that Moses wrote. Enoch's book tells the true story of how the Nephilim were abominations to God, but Moses tells the Egyptian version of the first CE6 event by saying that the Nephilim were heroes worshipped by men. The Egyptians worshipped the errant alien angel offspring as gods and heroes the same as Hindus, Greeks, Romans, and Sumerians but they were false gods who oppressed humanity. Initially in this first canto, there is an enumeration of seven different errors of mankind. Identifying the specific historical markers for these seven errors begins with Enoch in the first era. The second era was the Great Flood, which may have been followed by a brief ice age or extended period of winter and climactic change caused by the devastating comet impact. The third era was the time of Abraham and the evolution of the Israelites. The spread of the tribes of Abraham repopulated the earth, but there were other human survivors as well. Of course, it was the realization of the Ancient of Days that the flood would not completely wipe out all of humanity, but the intervention would eliminate the worst of the abominated alien offspring. The fourth era becomes known as the visions of holiness, which refers to Moses' liberation of Abraham's descendants from slavery in Egypt, the creation of the Ark of the Covenant, and the prophet Elijah. The fifth era is a prediction of the house of glory and dominion, which is easily interpreted to refer to the house of David and the dynasty of King Solomon. The sixth era is a period of darkness, and it is the most curious of all eras described in the prophecy. Enoch was not able to clearly foretell what was going on in his time. His prophecy is true because this time, after Solomon and the glory of David's house, was a very dark time with Roman conquests burning and plundering the land of an ancient Judean dynasty. The man who arises in this darkness is Jesus Christ, whom the Romans murdered on a cross. The murder of an innocent Jew becomes the symbolic burning of the house of David with judgmental fire. Prophecy metaphorically uses the concept of fire to mean judgment, and Jesus' personal sacrifice is a judgment of fire which burns the house of David. The Romans also literally burned the Judean civilization while forcing the Jews into submission. The murder of Jesus, a true prophet of Almighty God, has been the cause of a very dark and perverse era in human history with 2,000 years of wars and pestilence. The Roman conquest dispersed the Jews after the crucifixion and ascension of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, the fulfillment of messianic prophecy does not lead to an era of positive change. The heretic Jews rejected Jesus' teaching despite the proof of miracles, and the Romans perverted Christ's message by combining Roman mythology, polytheistic paganism, and the testimonies of Christ's disciples into a new doctrine, eventually named Catholicism, which combined pagan mythology with Christ's message and became the primary theology for Christianity. The perversion of Christ's message also became the fulfillment of Enoch's prophecy about the son of woman rejection principle. Modern Christianity is now a splintered religion, having various denominations, factions, ideologies, and theological arguments. Both Jews and Muslims continue to reject Jesus Christ as the Messiah because neither of these other two religions will ever agree to accept the pagan concept of a man becoming a god. Because of those lies created by 
by the pagan Romans after crucifying Jesus, all of humanity has not been able to come to any agreement about the message of Jesus Christ. Enoch prophesied that the seventh era followed the coming of Christ, his crucifixion, and God's judgment of the Jews would be a time of multiple perverse generations. Indeed, the time since Jesus delivered God's message of repentance and forgiveness has been completely perverse with so many lies about him, wars based on and about Christianity, and even the persecution of the Jews by a pagan, heretical Catholic who also cursed the nation of Italy and its Pope by securing Mussolini's support for the persecution of the Jews during World War II. While some writers might wish to declare that Hitler was the Antichrist, the truth is that he certainly was an anti-Semite. The Curse of Catholicism This book does not declare support for any argument that Adolf Hitler was the Antichrist, but it is a curious theory with Hitler being the exact opposite of Jesus Christ in human history. It was God's plan to punish the Jewish people and all of humanity for murdering the Messiah, Jesus Christ, with 2,000 years of wars and pestilence. In addition to the creation of Islam by another prophet who opposed both Judaism and Christianity, the history of mankind since the time of Jesus has been darkened with perverse events of wars and pestilence. The historic persecution and murder that became known as the Holocaust proves that God allowed the punishment of the Jews, and many of them suffered greatly until death at the hands of a pagan heretic. However, it has not only been the Jews that God has allowed to be punished with these wars and pestilence in history. All of humanity has suffered the error of that ancient crime. If it had not been for the creation of atomic weapons that evolved into thermonuclear weapons, the seventh era might have ended at the turn of the century, the way the editor of the 1883 edition of Enoch's Prophecy thought it was going to happen, with an eighth era of peace and prosperity becoming a reality. The 1883 editor manipulated text to place the eighth era immediately following the seventh era in his edition of the translation, but the eighth era of peace and prosperity is not what happened. Mankind has failed to evolve as a peaceful species, and the seventh era continued being an age of darkness and perversion. Unless an eighth era for mankind could be explained as an era when all of humanity will perish by a final apocalyptic war, then there will not be any eighth era at all. Additionally, there does not appear to be a prediction of an era of great peace and prosperity occurring for humanity in the book of Revelation, so the destiny of humanity has been ill-fated since the murder of God's Messiah, Jesus Christ. Christ did not die for the forgiveness of sin, as if he were a human sacrifice sent to the people of earth by Almighty God. Jesus Christ was murdered by men who worshipped an ancient evil remnant of transgressing extraterrestrials of an unknown origin. In order to conceal the truth of their crime, the pagan Romans created an entirely perverse religion that became known as Catholicism, which continues to infect all denominations and variations of Christianity. The only path out of this condemnation under Catholicism is to completely reject its pagan principles by accepting the eternal truth. It was always in John's prophecy of the Revelation that these end times will commence with more wars and plagues. The first of three plagues predicted in the Revelation became known as influenza. The second plague has become known as COVID-19. The next plague will be known as the White Death because cesium-137 is a silvery white radioactive ash that will contaminate the Earth's environment and cover everything in a nuclear winter. There will not be a vaccine for the sickness caused by global radioactive contamination, nor will there be any successful medical treatment for the cancers and illnesses it causes. In truth, the circumstances of global cesium-137 contamination began when the first atomic weapon was detonated. Humanity has been slowly suffering from the effects of cesium-137 already in the Earth's atmosphere, and mankind has foolishly increased this contamination in multiple accidents since the initial use of atomic weapons. 
Global use of thermonuclear weapons in World War III will increase the level of cesium-137 contamination to the point that there will not be any safe place on Earth. The spread of radioactive contamination will occur by a variety of means such as winds, water, and physical transfer by humans who will be unaware that they are contaminated and spreading this untreatable plague. The same was true of the previous two plagues that were spread by people all over the world without their knowledge of doing it until everyone everywhere became infected. The difference in this final spread of a deadly plague from the previous two occurrences of viral plagues is that people will experience external manifestations of the contamination in the form of burns on their faces and hands, hair loss, vomiting, and nausea for exposures of as little as 75 rads in only a few minutes. Death will occur in as little as two weeks following exposure of more than 1,000 rads. There is no cure for radiation sickness. There is only painful suffering until death. The End of Catholicism Enoch describes a time when the righteous will be selected from among all of humanity and the sevenfold doctrine will be given to them. The sevenfold doctrine is the eternal truth presented in this poetry and it has been previously hidden from all of humanity for 2,000 years. The purpose of introducing the eternal truth at this time in history is to terminate Catholicism, which has become the cause of mankind's pagan idolatry and blasphemy of Almighty God. The end of an era of perversion for humanity must occur with the end of Catholicism, which is the cause of this perversion. The, fraudulent perpet the fraudulence perpetuated by ancient heretics and pagan idolaters must come to light in the eternal truth within this book. Jesus Christ was not the Son of God. Jesus Christ was the Messiah and pagan Romans killed him. He was not a human sacrifice for the forgiveness of sin. He was murdered. In the book of Revelation, chapter 10, God showed a small scroll to John, and the sevenfold doctrine of the eternal truth was in this little book. God ordered the eternal truth to be sealed up at that time because he was going to give mankind 2,000 years to repent. Satan used the 2,000 years of God's punishment upon mankind to further pervert the message of Jesus Christ with the virgin birth lie. Satan's revenge for Christ's defeat of death and proof of Eloi's supremacy has been to implant the scurrilous lie within the New Testament and seal it with the curse of his high priest Melchizedek. Following the second beast's rise to power of earth in Revelation chapter 13, Revelation chapter 14 predicts that mankind will receive the eternal truth from one like the Son of Man who conceals himself as if in a cloud. While there will be many people who will come to know the eternal truth, pagan heretics will reject the prophecy because accepting it will require them to have humility. Their final act of blasphemy results in God's allowance for the third and final plague to commence. This last plague, the third woe, will be radiation sickness resulting from global thermonuclear war and the spread of radioactive contamination that cannot be prevented. The beast who will cause this final war is a Roman Catholic. Satan's scurrilous lies implanted in the editorialized testimonies of the New Testament Gospels are the cause of mankind's torment. The initial perversion of Christ's message occurred with Roman Emperor Constantine. The pagan heretics he spawned took complete control of the documents and doctrine that became the present-day Holy Bible in Christianity. Pagan mythology perverted the truth of Jesus Christ and led to more suffering for humanity because those lies of virgin birth and Son of God have caused men to kill each other. Senseless killing is not what Jesus taught or wanted, but pagan Christian heretics have undeniably killed millions of innocent people throughout history. Rewriting history at this point is not an option for anyone reading this text who might choose to deny the truth as it appears here. Enoch's prophecies clearly say that God will reject those who refer to the Messiah as son of woman. For those who insist that the Holy Bible is a pure and unadulterated text under the premise of inerrancy, the choice they make to believe in those lies will be their final fatal flaw. Those who have subscribed to the evangelical theology of inerrancy are worshiping a false god. 
Their selfish human pride will prevent them from knowing the eternal truth by the power of God's Holy Spirit, who can and does provide correction through prophecy and spiritual communication with true believers. The modern version of the Holy Bible is a cursed book filled with errors and fraudulence perpetuated by Catholic heretics. The truth is that Constantine and his descendants perverted the entire Holy Bible, and this was the point of Enoch's prophecy about several perverted generations in the seventh era. The most important of all messages Jesus presented to humanity was to receive God and His Holy Spirit, because this helps humanity to know the truth when the pagan, heretical lies in a perverted text known as the Holy Bible would conceal the truth. It is also true that Jesus returned to the earth to reassert this message to other prophets and their followers so that they know the truth, so that knowing the truth by the power of the Holy Spirit would become the most important characteristics of the LDS theology. While the Book of Mormon is not completely void of pagan ideology, there is a relevance to what it represents for humanity in general. Other than being one example of Enoch's prophecies of books being written in the future, the Book of Mormon chronicles the history of the Latter-day Saints and their experiences after the founding prophet was contacted by the extraterrestrial originating entities described throughout this book. The concepts of unknown technologies referred to as the Tablets of Heaven appear in Enoch's tale the same as they appear in the Book of Mormon and about steel plates and translation stones. There are also segments of the Book of Mormon which falter and even prophesy the faltering of the Latter-day Saints as they resorted to pagan beliefs based on Catholicism when erroneously concluding Melchizedek as an unidentified curse. It will become a necessity even for the LDS Church to accept the correction of the eternal truth, but they already know about humility, which very few other Christian denominations will be willing to have in order to know the real message within the eternal truth prophecy. The Holy Spirit is God, and knowing the Holy Spirit will enable knowledge of the eternal truth while also revealing what is a lie in those pagan heretical texts that are not God's words. Prayer and repentance of those sinful lies of virgin birth and the pagan theologies of Jesus being the Son of God are necessary to follow the path of light and understanding the eternal truth. It is necessary to willingly abandon the scurrilous lie to know the one true God, and it takes wisdom to prevail. Without knowing the eternal truth and having the humility to understand it all, many souls will be lost in the apocalypse because of the ancient pagan lies of Catholicism. A Reasonable Chronological Sequence As mentioned earlier in the introduction and reiterated in the summary discussion of Part 2, a reasonable chronological sequence of historical events as they occurred becomes a necessity for readers who still might be confused by the non-sequential technique employed in the poetic retelling of Enoch's story. While on the one hand, the author's intent has been to maintain alignment with the source document, there have clearly been many instances of rearranging materials differently than what appears in the 1883 document. The editor of that book also did some rearranging of his own, but it was erroneous. While there is no claim here that rearrangements of material appearing in this retelling are completely accurate, it seems proof to at least provide the audience a reasonably understandable explanation of the historical sequence of events as they seem to have occurred. The most reasonably correct chronological sequence of events are as follows. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden encounter Satan, who conspires to corrupt humanity with the help of others of his species. The event of Satan, leading a group of other aliens to go down to the earth, is the first extraterrestrial intervention in the evolution of mankind. An unidentified species of extraterrestrials came down to earth with Satan around the time of Enoch. These celestial beings mated with human females who produced offspring that were revered as gods for their size and abilities. Seeing how this event caused humanity to suffer from the oppression of these false gods, which were the mutations of human and extraterrestrial crossbreeding, Enoch prayed to Eloi. 
as a descendant of Adam, Enoch knew the one true God of all the universe. God sends the Elohim to investigate, and Enoch receives eternal life in order to travel with the watchers to testify before God about the transgression occurring on earth. The Elohim take Enoch away from the earth to appear in court in front of Eloi, who made all of his judgments known to Enoch. God sends Enoch back to the earth, where he confronts the errant extraterrestrials who conspired with Satan, and he informs them of the Lord's judgment for them. After completing this task of reproving the errant sons of heaven, the Elohim take Enoch away with them because he could no longer remain on the earth after being transfigured to have eternal life. Enoch was the first of three humans to be given eternal life, which also has required that these men could not stay on earth. After the Elohim had shown Enoch many mysteries of the universe and future events of earth, they returned Enoch to the earth for one year so that he could teach all of what he had learned to his son Methuselah. Enoch leaves the earth with the Elohim a year later, to resume his eternal existence among the watchers while waiting for the time when his son would contact him as he had instructed. Methuselah calls to Enoch when Noah was born because Noah did not appear normal when he was born. He was the first human born as albino, a genetic anomaly. Enoch returns to earth to assure his son and grandson that Noah is human because they feared the child was an abomination. Enoch assures them all that the child was human and that he would save humanity in a future year. Noah grows up to be a good and righteous man, and he calls to Enoch when the ice comet finally approaches earth. Enoch returns with the watchers to inform Noah of what he needs to do. The watchers take Noah into the holy conveyance, and Noah receives everlasting life in order to ensure his longevity and success. Noah lives on earth for approximately 1,000 years longer to ensure the successful survival of the human species. The event of the Great Deluge on Earth was a second extraterrestrial intervention, a CE6 event in the evolution of mankind. The third extraterrestrial intervention in the evolution of mankind also correlates with a transfiguration event when Jesus Christ receives everlasting life prior to his crucifixion. Enoch accurately predicted that the third CE6 event would have a less than desirable outcome with generation after generation of perverseness occurring for mankind. The truth of this is the reasoning why there will not be an eighth era of mankind. The final CE6 event for mankind will include the second coming of Jesus Christ, Judgment Day, and the Apocalypse. However, the intervention event does not have the intent to prevent the termination of a species. This final CE6 event has the intent to separate the faithless, wicked idolaters from the righteous believers of the eternal truth prior to the apocalypse. The sequential errors appearing in the early English translation of a poorly maintained ancient copy in Ethiopic complicate the story, but there is a seriously artistic quality to this non-sequential storytelling technique. It has been the author's decision to keep the non-sequential telling of events found in the English translation of the Ethiopic manuscript because a great many modern stories are also non-sequential. The purpose of presenting a story out of sequence is to further captivate and interest the audience. While there are some small parts from the translation that become easily rearranged for better sensibility, maintaining the overall non-sequential construction of the plot enables better reader interest in the poetic retelling by creating the need to unravel the suspenseful mystery of the story. The Beast Leads the World to War Based upon all that has been presented in this poetical retelling in the discussions about the interpretations of a prophecy that could have originated as much as 14,000 years ago, the author presents a final and conclusive theoretical explanation for what it all means and why humanity's existence must end. Mankind's warring and killing has not ceased, will not cease, and will result in the destruction of the earth by mankind's own doing. In an effort to end a heinous war perpetrated by a pagan heretic in the first half of the 20th century, the nation identified in this prophecy as the accursed of the accursed forever, the United States of America, discovered the power of a star and turned it into a weapon. If there was some confusion about why the United States of America would be the accursed of the accursed forever, then perhaps Perhaps it might be clarified in the understanding that it has been the nation that discovered the power of a star for the purpose of making it a weapon. 
the event of using this power which only God should allow any creatures to have became instantly known to Almighty God, and he sent an emissary of peace to declare the eternal truth. Instead of accepting the offer of peace and eternal truth, the ignorant and murderous Americans who were with Eisenhower in 1954 killed the messengers. The end of planet Earth by global thermonuclear war became the destiny of mankind, but it has been avoided once with the assassination of John F. Kennedy, who was a Roman Catholic and briefly threatened all the world with a final war. Unless there is some miraculous event that removes the beast from power, Jesus Christ and Elohim will return to incite a global holy war to purge the earth of wickedness on Judgment Day because mankind is an evolutionary failure for not evolving to have nuclear power, the power of a star confined as if in a prison, for peaceful purposes only. There does not seem to be any information in this or other prophecies to indicate that there will be redemption for mankind as a result of this final CE6 event. All signs clearly indicate that God's wrath will be imposed upon mankind and those fallen angels who corrupted mankind in defiance of Almighty God. There will be many people who will make the choice to accept the eternal truth and reject the lies of Catholicism, but there will not be enough of the earth's population converting to the eternal truth to justify redemption of the species on this planet. In part four, there was an eighth era potentially followed by innumerable other eras of peace and prosperity on earth. However, an eighth era of peace and prosperity was never going to follow the seventh era because of the perversion of truth that lasted many generations. Separating the description of an eighth era from the sequence of the seven eras Separating the description of an eighth error from the sequence of the seven errors enabled Enoch to present his vision of two different outcomes after the seventh era. One of two possible outcomes for mankind, who will finally come to know the truth of God's extraterrestrial existence when discovering the power of a star for peaceful purposes, is to have his blessings for a continued future on earth in a new era, the eighth era of mankind, during which all the world is at peace and benefits from the introduction of advanced technologies and gifts of spiritual enlightenment. Of course, the alternate outcome is complete annihilation of the human species because humanity did not come to have the power of a star for peaceful purposes. Mankind developed nuclear power for weapons. There are also evil government entities that want to continue developing fusion energy for use as the next generation weapon system. Humanity would rather kill each other and any visiting extraterrestrial beings than make peace with its own species or others in the universe. The souls of billions of humans will perish because Americans chose to believe in the scientific knowledge of men, worship the beast, and accept sexual immorality instead of believing in God, accepting the eternal truth, and practicing sexual morality. The eighth era does not occur for humanity because the end of the seventh era will be horror and suffering in global thermonuclear war instigated by senseless and idiotic world leaders who are idol worshippers. Enoch's series of sermonic prophecies comprises some of the fiercest fire and brimstone preaching ever seen within the text from ancient times, as truly has been the word of God, much longer than the canonized Holy Bible has pretended to be. The number of woes within these sermons is not significant as numerical symbolism of anything in particular that the author has been able to determine, but the extent to which Enoch goes to expound upon the sense of mankind is very emotionally influential. Juxtaposed by the cataloging of the blessings for the righteous, the condemnation of sinners appearing in this latter part of the story of Enoch is a final warning. A non-sequential flashback technique. The second canto in this last part of the poetic retelling of the Enoch story brings several important concepts together for a denouement that is not really the end of the story of mankind. Within this last canto is the clarification about the birth of Noah and why Enoch needed to return to earth for the second time. Although this second return of Enoch is out of sequence as a kind of flashback ending, Enoch's third return is to meet with Noah before the great flood occurs. The third return of Enoch occurred earlier in the story sequence. 
There is a greater amount of detail presented about Noah with this flashback technique, which emphasizes the fact that Noah was a genetic anomaly. Noah's birth as an albino also symbolized the truth about how God would never impregnate a human female. Noah's physical appearance also symbolizes God's attempt to purify humanity with the great deluge. The flood is not the end of the story. The story is not over until the apocalypse happens. There really is no other possible ending to the story. Mankind is poised to commit global thermonuclear genocide at the end of the seventh era because humanity fails Judgment Day. Readers must understand that presenting this information is not for the purpose of enabling anyone to attempt to prevent this prediction from happening. If this were the only document describing the event of an apocalypse, then it might be reasonable to argue against the veracity of statements made in this book. However, there are multiple documents on the topic of an apocalyptic end to humanity, and there is more truth to this book and others corroborating the truth of this prediction than anyone anywhere can reasonably deny. The only thing anyone can do is to prepare for the eventuality by accepting the eternal truth, repenting, and living righteously until the rapture. There is one significant item appearing in this section that is another good example of the many antediluvian revelations in the original Enoch story. The reference to the Tablet of Heaven appears multiple times throughout the epic tale, and this reference seems emphasized in this last part of the work. Archaeological discoveries in Iraq occurring in the middle of the 20th century have uncovered ancient clay tablets left behind by a Sumerian scribe who endeavored to make copies of a story about Gilgamesh. This recently discovered ancient epic story corroborates the biblical tale of giants being the offspring of extraterrestrials and human females. The Gilgamesh character has a human mother and an Anunnaki father. The Anunnaki are theorized to have been the offspring of an extraterrestrial species by accounts of translating ancient Sumerian records recovered by archaeologists in Iraq, which was also ancient Assyria and Babylon. These mythological sons of the Sumerian god An are then understood to have been the offspring of extraterrestrial beings who came from the heavens to earth and impregnated human females. The offspring were abominations and genetic mutations such as Gilgamesh. What remained of that civilization after the flood of Noah's time are the clay tablets, but the names of Nephilim, Anunnaki, and others could all be referring to the same hybrid alien-human species Enoch complained about to Eloi. A comparative representation of the concept of how an extraterrestrial species procreated with humans also appears in Greek and Roman mythologies, with the offspring being Hercules or Heracles, depending on the language origin. Regardless of the origin, the archaeological evidence and historical record one takes into consideration about this curious component of ancient epic stories, they all have one thing in common. There is a written record from various ancient cultures that substantiates the premise that an extraterrestrial species has attempted to influence the evolution of humanity and a supreme being punished them for doing so in violation of his commandments. The clay tablets recovered in Iraq, which prove the most recent corroborating evidence of an ancient alien visitation on Earth, may be referred to as the tablets of Earth because they were made of dirt. In the poetic version of the Enoch story, the author's narrative inject suggests that Enoch's tablet of heaven may have been a technology given to Enoch by the Watchers, and this technology may have been very similar to modern technology. A tablet of heaven was something that did not originate on earth in the time of Enoch because it came from extraterrestrials. As mentioned previously in this discussion, the translation of a message contained or engraved on steel plates became the message within the Book of Mormon, and this artifact may have also been an alien technology. The instances of ancient and more recent appearances of potentially alien technology validate the premise within the poetic retelling that at least one species of extraterrestrial visitors has shared its advanced technology with mankind. 
and these events had the purpose of leading humanity to know Almighty God. While further validation may be argued in support of this premise that God presents humanity with such artifacts of extraterrestrial origin by referring to the stone tablets with the Ten Commandments given to Moses and the vision of a scroll or little book being given to John in the book of Revelation, there does not seem to be any existing physical evidence to corroborate these tales. The tablet of heaven, the stone tablets with the Ten Commandments, and the steel plates and translation stones are nowhere to be found on earth. John ate the little book, which may have only existed in his vision. While it is possible to theorize that God ordered his eternal servants, the watchers, to remove all of these items of an advanced technology in order to prevent reverse engineering of their technical capabilities before it was time for mankind to have that technology, it is relevant to consider that mankind has developed various technologies in the present that can clearly explain how such ancient references to advanced technologies are not merely fantasies. All of these strangely familiar extraterrestrial originating and physically missing artifacts of advanced technology are not at all mysterious or fantastical. Lasers can write on stone tablets or steel plates. Handheld computing devices are common technologies that can read magnetic disks and thumb drives. And many of these technologies can be connected to each other for the transference of or translation of data. Enoch's early vision of an advanced technology, the frosty orb with sound emanating from it, known today as television, was not just a prophecy of a future invention. It was a testimony of how all these tales of technology are true. Enoch's tablet of heaven was an advanced extraterrestrial technology that the watchers had given to him when they returned him to his family for that one year when he was tasked to teach them what they needed to know to prepare for the flood that would come in Noah's lifetime. The tablet of heaven stayed with Enoch, but the reasonable cognition of such a technology being possible many thousands of years ago seems to corroborate the record of the steel plates and translation stones reported in the Book of Mormon. One might also consider the unusual descriptions of Elijah's uncanny capabilities with what might have seemed like ordinary objects as potentially being examples of extraterrestrial originating technology. It might be a far stretch to even suggest that Moses' staff may have been an extraterrestrial originating technology, but the possibility is a reasonable conclusion. Although there is no physical evidence to prove these theories of advanced technologies, it is a certain conclusion that God chose these men in history for significant missions. This concludes this episode of Antediluvian Revelations, a poetic retelling of the Book of Enoch, the Prophet. Be sure to subscribe or follow for notifications of new releases. Thank you for listening. I am Michael.